and welcome to Western Reaches episode 25. I'm one of your hosts, Saf, and with me as always is Megan. Hello. Today we're here to talk to you about many things, mostly video games and a little bit of Star Wars Rebels. We're going to be talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, just the first half or so, so no in-game spoilers or anything, but still some spoilers if you haven't played the game at all yet. We're also going to be talking a little bit about Mass Effect Andromeda. But first up, let's tackle some Star Wars Rebels, because we just had the second to last episode of this season, and it was the Maul and Kenobi fight, and there's probably going to be a little bit of spoilers in there too. But Megan, what did you think of that episode? I loved that episode so much, and part of the reason I wanted to talk about it is because it is the gift that keeps on giving, and Dave Filoni, who in the past I have found to be a very good speaker, not so great writer, has actually done, I think, a really great job of getting exactly the idea he had in his head onto the script this time, um, which is a very backhanded compliment, I realize. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would not have predicted that ending in a million years, and I think it was very satisfying. And it the way it paralleled the fight with Qui-Gon, the way it kind of vindicated or rather um, gave Maul what he wanted without vindicating him, how it showed Obi-Wan's growth. I loved a lot of things about it. It was a really good episode. It was really different to everything else in the season so far, I think, but it was a good change for the episode. Yeah, um, I guess tonally I'd say it was a little bit different. It kind of, it even though a lot of it had Ezra and it had that sort of same plot of Ezra running off. It had a bit more gravitas than other episodes do. And I even liked how it changed Ezra. Yeah. I was wondering if Ezra would actually end up meeting Obi-Wan before. I was like, how can how can he? It doesn't make sense. But then it actually happened. And I was like, you know what? This It does make sense. I think they handled it really well for something that I was worried about actually happening. I think so too. And I hope that he's learned his lesson. Because like, very quickly <laughs> he changed very quickly but i kind of love that because that shows the power of obi-wan and this whole episode is the understated power of obi-wan yeah you could really just i guess feel it when you're watching the episode that he just has so much power and it, it makes sense i guess i kind of forget that he doesn't just go off and become like this little sad man which he kind of does but he also is still like this powerful <laughs> jedi who was like best friends with the chosen one kind of thing yes he is a very sad jedi but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that they did it with a really tight script like there wasn't it wasn't a long fight, obviously, but that was half of the strength of it. And there was so much to unpack in that script. And I really enjoyed that about it. Yeah, the fight was interesting because there wasn't really much to it, but it was very intense, even though, despite that. Yeah, and some people have pointed out at, like after the fact that it... Um, it's the same move that Maul tries to kill, or that he kills Qui-Gon with. Um, I loved how Obi-Wan went through the different lightsaber forms that he'd used, and the way you can see them doing the kind of mental chess while they're just staring at each other. Yeah, there's a lot happening there, and it's 
Really cool. I really need to watch the episode again just to pay more attention because I missed, like, I missed all the stuff of, like, the symbolism and the parallels because I was just kind of watching it like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Even though, you know, everyone's not going to die or anything, but I was still wondering if they would actually kill Mold by that point. Yeah, I mean, I, part of me is still like, well, we didn't see the body. Who knows? Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really felt like they could have gone either way with it. I watched it three times I think and I usually watch them twice to review but not necessarily always and I watched it once just with my roommate because she's a big Obi-Wan fan too just straight through and then we like yelled for a while (laughs) and then and then I watched it again with an eye for like okay I'm gonna write my serious review that is not just me yelling and is not just me talking about how much I like Darth Maul and then (laughs) I put it on in the background when I was like polishing the review because I was just like it's good I just want to see it again I just want to like have it around me (laughs) yeah what do you think of, because you're like a massive Maul fan, what do you think of the end of Maul's arc overall? I really liked it. I think he was a loose end. As much as I like him, I'm not... I don't think that his death is a bad ending for that arc. I, I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to see him just ride off into the sunset. I think he's a villain and one of the sort of cardinal rules of Star Wars is that the villains do get their comeuppance. The dark side does not win, no matter how effective someone thinks it is. So he had to sort of be punished for his dark side nature. But at the same time, that ending really got at why he had that... Well, so nature isn't the right word, because Sidious planned the whole thing that dark side nurture i guess (laughs) Um, yeah it really showed how that led him to that place and sort of brought him to bad ends but at the same time he got what he wanted he died with the idea that the sith were going to be saved and that he was going to have that revenge which was really the only thing he ever wanted and the fact that that all happened in one scene it's very hard to please everyone it's very difficult to have a scene that can satisfy both fans who want to see sort of comeuppance and fans who want to see a sympathetic villain and this did that and I'm I know that it's like it's upsetting but I Maul's been dead for 18 years like his death was never his death never stopped me before. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, those are my feelings. They're very strong feelings. Yeah, there's some good feelings, I think. I, I, it's interesting seeing it from your point of view, because I don't have super strong feelings on Wall. I just think he's kind of cool. Part of what I loved about that last line, about the idea of Luke as the chosen one, is that I always thought Maul and Luke could kind of be paralleled, that They both wanted more. They both wanted to be able to leave the planet they were raised on and do something to change the galaxy. They just wanted completely different things and were raised by completely different people. And so to have Maul kind of look to Luke gives that 
little my fondness where I just happen to like both of them gives that legs a little bit. So I like that. <laughs> That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So and, um yeah. Oh, well I mean just like the uh Ezra stuff, I'm kind of over having opinions about Ezra. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah. Like cuz my my opinion of him just hasn't changed very much lately. But in um Oh man, was it Rebels Recon or an IO9? I believe it was an IO9 article that came out shortly after the episode. They talked about how carefully they storyboarded Ezra's first steps into the desert and the way there's that really stark demarcation between the shadowed, like, tumbled lands and the desert itself. And that bit of, like, Ezra stepping out into that very archetypal, very, like, mythological Star Wars desert realm was great. Yeah, that was really cool. But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm sort of like tired of, yeah, tired of having opinions about Ezra, I guess. Like, he's just there. And I'm glad he wasn't like the sole focus of the episode, though, because that would have been weird. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm trying to think of how they balanced the one where Vader and Ahsoka spent so much time at the, the center of the episode where Ezra was sidelined more there and this one added him in in a way that I liked a bit more because it he changed a little bit in this episode it wasn't just that he was there although he was sort of tagging along but he changed yeah and I think they kind of need him to be the point of view for the episode or else it would have been kind of weird to just have Obi-Wan a more fight without anybody else around or anybody else leading to it because it is not their show but yeah, I think with Ezra and Ahsoka, it was probably a bit different because Ahsoka kind of just became part of the Ghost Crew for a little while, whereas Obi-Wan has never really been part of it. I liked his animation in this, though. Like, his sculpt looked really cool. Yeah, and his voice was really convincing. Yeah, that was a good voice. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Stephen Stanton. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that... I think the other thing they did that kind of improved the balance over last season's finale is that the real season finale is going to be the Lothal stuff like Obi-Wan and Maul are out of the way now we can concentrate on the ghost crew again and I think that's a good decision yeah that was that was smart because I think Lothal kind of needs to be the final of this thing like Obi-Wan and Maul would have been cool I guess but it's not it does, it's not the story it's not the main story it's just gonna there yeah exactly. I just hope I just hope that Ezra actually changes this time and doesn't revert back in the next episode because I just get so mad every time that happens. Yeah, there was a lot of that this season, but at this point, like, he barely has time, right? He has two episodes and then he's got to learn something. Yep. <laughs> so are you excited for the season finale? I am. I'm... It's, uh, I mean, we know that it's going to be the battle on Lothal. We know that Thrawn is going to be involved, but I think it's a bit of a question mark of how dark it's going to get or how much it's going to change the Rebels' storyline as we know it. Yeah, like, the fact that Sabine left in that episode kind of shocked me a bit, that the crew actually kind of shrank a bit, so I'm not sure what to expect from the next episode. Yeah, and that it would be very strange to me if Sabine left permanently. 
I would yeah. really love to see her come back with the Mandalorians for that episode or, or next year or at some point. I'm sure she'll be back. She'll be back. It would be yes. weird not to have her around. <laughs> yeah, it, it really would. And I know the crew's getting bigger. We've got Rex and AP5 has become more important, but Sabine is is part of that core group. Yeah, and she's like one of the coolest characters in that show. Or at least to me, she's one of my favorites. Yeah, she's, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of favorites. I still like Hera and Kanan the most, but yeah. we should definitely get Sabine back. Absolutely, yeah. So um, any final thoughts on Rebels? No, just that I'm really enjoying it. I think like season two, season three slumped a little bit in the middle. Um, and I don't know that it knows what to do with Thrawn yet, but there have been some really <laughs> good episodes in the, the back half of the season, and I don't doubt the finale will be like that, too. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, so let's talk about some books, even though we haven't really read much. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I was away for a bit, so the only thing that I've read in this fortnight is Agents of Dreamland by Caitlin Kiernan, which is a novella about a semi-government organization and a cult and maybe the end of the world. All right. It, she's one of my favorite authors, and it's it's short. Like, it's definitely something that it could be a longer story if she'd wanted it to be. But it's this weird little sort of pre-apocalypse police story. And... um it's a really kind of solid character arc, even though there isn't much in terms of expanding expanding the universe. So really enjoyable. Could have been expanded more, but part of the appeal was that you didn't quite know what this secret organization was on about. I like the sound of pre-apocalyptic things. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, this cult found alien spores from space and the this shadowy government organization is trying to pre- prevent alien spores from space from devouring humanity. But at the same time, there's kind of this through line of realistic apocalypse worries and like the sort of discussions people have around how would the world end and right from the beginning there's like Manhattan Project imagery and it's uh it's pretty intense it sounds really cool though I really recommend that part of the reason I picked it up was because it was like $2.99 so if whether or not you've read Caitlin Kiernan before it might be a good place to start and if you don't mind something that's kind of kind of grim it's but it's a bit like jaunty as well it has its (laughs) tongue-in-cheek moments as well yeah i think i'm going to check that out like i check out basically everything you talk about on this but that sounds really cool (laughs) (laughs) excellent i'll I'll add it to the goodreads page as well because i've been slacking on that but i think i might even have put that one in already there you are maybe you're not slacking after all maybe i'm pre-slacking for next time (laughs) so that it looks like i'm ahead this time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be strategic about my slacking. Yeah. So nobody catches on. Yeah. <laughs> Except now they know. So. 
So I've um I've only finished the book I talked about last time, which is Two Like the Lightning, which I think I only talked about the start of it last time because I'd only just gotten a little bit into it. And it definitely it definitely became something. I didn't realize when I started reading it that it was the first of a trilogy or a series or something. So I got to like the last 20 pages and I was like, how can they resolve everything in these 20 pages? I don't understand. And then I finished the book and it was like, we'll continue in the next book. I was like, damn it. Every time this always happens to me. So, um, I'm waiting for that. The library now it's got like a million holds. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> but Did that came out recently. The sequel. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think the next book comes out like mm. next year or later this year. I looked it up and then promptly forgot after I put the book on hold, but, um, it was really good. It was weird. It's a really weird book in kind of a way I didn't expect like the main character. Cause it's from their point of view goes into like sexual stuff really often in like ways that I think are trying to like kind of bait and switch your how how you perceive things in the book because it'll be like did you think these characters would have been in love because I described them as a man as a woman and I was like I don't know anymore I don't know what I think now because the book just keeps trying to like play tricks on you but it's done in a way that's really interesting and kind of makes you think about like romance and gender in a different way I think um Though, yeah, it does have a lot of, like, the relationships in the book are weird to me, but I still enjoy the mystery a lot. Like, the story was cool, and the world is interesting, like, trying to piece together how all the characters work together and how the politics work is really interesting as well. So would you say that the plot is essentially a mystery, even if you, like, stripped away all the world-building stuff? Yeah, it's definitely a mystery. It's like, um, there's something happening... Someone stole, like, a list that I still don't entirely understand from someone and is trying to frame these people who basically run all of the, like, car transport, like, flying car transport network around the world or something like that. And so the mystery is trying to solve who did that and why they're doing that. Like, it it seems kind of like they're trying to destroy civilization or something. Um, so it's the mystery is definitely good, though I don't entirely know what the mystery is yet. <laughs> I really should pick that up, and I'm glad you said that it was a part of a series, because <laughs> I feel like there's some sort of taboo with, like, adult fiction to putting numbers on the books. Like, they don't want them to look too much like 15-book junior series, so they don't yes. put clearly labeled numbers, and then we get yep. confused. <laughs> that happens to me so much. It happened to me with that, like, space opera book I read, like, a million years ago. I can't remember what it was called, and it seemed really cool, and it was the first of, like, a long-ass series, and, like... A, a bunch of books that span the whole galaxy and I was like oh no what have I gotten myself into wait now I have to know because I feel like space opera doesn't narrow it down it wasn't the expanse was it no no it was like some the glit glittering dark or something like that it was a really weird one <laughs> okay yeah I haven't mean to read the expanse though but I haven't actually gotten around to it yet no it's on my to read pile I have I bought the first one at like Christmas but I haven't gotten to it yet you're definitely closer than me. I didn't even try and order it out of the library. Yeah, I keep forgetting. I have so many books out from the library, but they're all like about about writing. So like script writing books or like books about the master plots or whatever. And whenever I go to read one, I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered, which is why I haven't really read anything. Oh, um, actually, I was just glancing at my shelf and the fifth season, which I'm sure needs no introduction by now. 
does have a nice convenient number on it. <laughs> so you could know which one it is in the series. I don't remember if I knew that book had a sequel when I read it at the point that I read it. Like, I think I thought it was just the, f- the only book. And then I got near the end of that one. And I was like, how is this going to resolve? So this keeps <laughs> happening to me. It's just like a common trend in every book I read. I don't know if I knew at the time. I'm I'm into more series now than I was in like 2013. Like for a while, I wasn't reading anything in a series that was still actively coming out. Yeah. Ancillary Justice changed everything. But now I'm like waiting for so many books this this year in the like, I will put everything else down and read them sort of way. Yeah, and Solo Justice was definitely like the first book for me that got me back into series. And now I have, yeah, a bunch of books I'm waiting for and I'm just like, oh, this is the worst. Why don't I just read standalones? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just looking up the next, the well, not the next Mass Effect novel because there's one by an author who I'm sure is lovely, but I don't know anything about. And then there's <laughs> um, Cat Valenti's comes out in May. So that I'm really looking forward to. Oh, yeah. I forgot that she was writing one. She is. Every once in a while, I think about it, her and N.K. Jemison, and I go, at least there's one good thing about this timeline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. N.K. Jemison is so good. I can't wait for the third book in the Broken Earth series, because I'm just yes. like, I'm dying not knowing what happens. I know. I just, oh, it's so good. I still, the ending of that first of the fifth season is just the best thing I have ever read. Anyway, oh, so good. We, I <laughs> yeah. messed up my transition by loving N.K. Jemison too much. Speaking of Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Mass Effect, let's talk about some Mass Effect because it's come out in some places and the early access thing was happening. So a bunch of people have played it. There have been some reviews out and some of them are kind of negative. Some of them are less negative. And there was a big harassment campaign that we're not going to really talk about because that was bad. Um, but... What do you think, Megan? You're downloading it at the moment, right? So you haven't played it. I am. So, yeah, I've not gotten the chance to play it yet. It is out here, but it is still in the in the internet for me. Um, I, so, I didn't know much about the harassment campaign. I only saw that, like, from a distance. I saw the reactions to it and not the actual thing. So, but I guess what I saw was the, the sort of, other side of the criticisms which said that the animation was bad and that the writing was bad and that it was just generally bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, which the animation and like so I might very well agree with that when I when I get it I do think that it doesn't look quite as polished as it could uh certainly comparing it to horizon zero dawn is a little unsettling because horizon is gorgeous yeah but mass effect always had kind of wonky animation and i don't quite understand what changed between the shepherd shuffle which was like considered funny and amusing and now when the wonky animation is considered a great crime so yeah and maybe it's I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I it doesn't sound like it sounds like there are plenty of other issues as well. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that I still want to enjoy it, but I'm open to being able to criticize it once I have actually experienced it myself. 
And the thing that yeah. I'm most worried about is that even the character work is not supposed to be great. But I'm not I'm not sure. Because at this point, I'm kind of avoiding criticism because it's so close I can almost touch it. I read a review that said that there's a lot of clunky stuff in it, but that the character stuff is actually the best thing in the game. So I'm kind of iffy. I think I'll play it myself and see what I think, obviously, because it's Mass Effect. I'm going to play it. Um, I'm still optimistic. Like, I'm with you on the animation thing, because Bioware has never had the, the nicest animations. Like, even Inquisition, which is still quite recent, was like janky animation a lot of the time and people moving quite stiffly because that's kind of how Bioware is. It's not like everything is motion capped or anything. Um... And so when, yeah, all this stuff came out, and, like, some of the animation things that people have shown are obviously animation glitches where they've broken the game to make it look like that. And so I'm just like, this is funny. Why are we so angry about this? Like, if my character starts running like that, I'm going to be laughing so much that I won't even care. Yeah. And it's that sort of, like... Yeah, the, the different attitude of if if it's functional, you know, if the game still works, then some weird animation every once in a while is it happens with games and i i i agree yeah i'd probably sort of laugh about it and it does look a bit plasticky but but we'll see and like mass effect 3 was very pretty and it still had shepherd does not walk like a human i just want <laughs> to, <laughs> i just want andromeda to be as or prettier than Mass Effect 3. I think that's a reasonable a reasonable thing to want because 3 was, yeah. came out about 5 years ago. Yeah, and I think it'll be fine. Like, I don't know, I'm still excited for it. Even though I've seen some of the cutscenes of the writing, I'm like oh, I can see what they were going for but they just missed enough that it doesn't work. Um, <sighs> that's that's but- one thing I've avoided. I've avoided like listening to much dialogue but I'm I'm really excited for it. I can't None of this dampens the fact that I really like Mass Effect a lot as an idea and a universe. Yeah, like, there's this game would have to do a lot to make me not like it because it's a Mass Effect game. Like, I mean, Mass Effect 1 was so clunky and it's so hard to play, but I still love that game so much. It's, like, one of my favorite games ever. So I'm very forgiving when it comes to Mass Effect. Yeah, and, like, I have complaints about how they handled things in Mass Effect 3 and, like, oh, they didn't let me spend as much time in this place or with this character. Like, I don't doubt I'll have those criticisms like I would for any Bioware game. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we both think once we actually play it. It really will, and I'm sure we'll have an episode about it. Um, It seems like lately we've been doing, like, before and after episodes where we talk about something when we were in the middle of it and then after we've finished it and that seems to be working pretty well so we'll probably do that also yeah probably (laughs) so let's talk about other games because i'm sure we've played some actually i haven't so that's a lie but megan what have you played over the last fortnight (laughs) i played some very short games i'm still working on twine oh i had a friend play my game i've never had anyone play a game that i wrote before (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) is your game out no it is not complete (sighs) It is not out. I recently taught myself a new twine command, which I needed to progress. So my um, optimistic view is that it should be out in two weeks. Um, But I guess the first rule of being a developer is not to promise 
that you're going to deliver something at a certain time. <laughs> yep, I can definitely oh. tell you that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Staff's like, oh no, you broke the rule. Such an amateur. <laughs> it's okay, we've done that like a million times with Lover Watch. It'll be out eventually. But <laughs> yeah. But, um, so as I was doing that, I was also continuing to read more Twine games. And um, so I played Town, which is by Anna Anthropy, who's like sort of the the godmother of all twine tutorials as far as i know her name comes up whenever i look for twine tutorials um and she did one called town which was a sort of tight-knit puzzle where you had to get sort of the typical fantasy items like you know enough money to buy something and a, a key to a locked door and then a more difficult to acquire key to the next door and it was just sort of an example of what twine can do and how an inventory system works so it was you know it was pleasant um and then i played you will select a decision which is a sort of basic choose-your-own-adventure book type thing with the conceit that it was smuggled out of the Soviet Union. So it's written in broken English and has, like, or rather, I guess, you know, Soviet-flavored English and has, like, sort of the values of the time and these weird attempts at Americanisms, like, yes, and those are the great American values, and, like, they're just a little bit off, so it feels like it was written by someone who was not actually American. And um, it was, like, it was cute and funny, but the conceit was the whole thing. Like, in terms of gameplay, it it wasn't necessarily anything um, revelatory, but it was a really good, really solid conceit. I don't think I've heard of that one, but that sounds cute. <laughs> I was confused at first because it's really committed to that idea that it is a choose-your-own-adventure book. So it has page numbers, and it has a list of other books in the oh. series. Two of them are playable, and then the rest are not. They're just... I don't know if they're going to be playable at some point, or if they're just there for flavor. But, like, all the titles are, are kind of funny, and it's... Yeah, it was another example of what you can do with the form. So those Did you learn anything exciting for like making your game? Oh man. Um I learned that I need to not try to do a really complicated conceit and try to teach <laughs> myself twine at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. And I learned that I don't know how to do an inventory system yet, but now I could if I wanted to. I think I do, in theory. I've never tried, but I'm pretty sure I know how. <laughs> and the shape of those... Yeah, I guess it, it sort of taught me about the different shapes and the, the paces, and neither of those were exactly the pace that I want to evoke. The pace that I want to evoke is more like um, uh, with those you love alive, which is the one that I played a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm getting a feel for the, the sort of pace you can do them at. And I'm really enjoying writing mine. I find it so much easier than writing short stories that it almost feels like cheating. But I'm also oh, going yeah. really slow with it. So I don't know if that's like, just because I've got, I'm new to it and I don't know all the stuff I'm doing wrong. Or if I'm actually sort of going with the form in the right way. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure you're doing fine. I'm excited to play it when eventually it comes out. 
ideally it will be playable. And I think I've mentioned this before, but my, my goal, I actually like to, to make two of them and have them put them. <laughs> I'm already contradicting my own planned release date. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the business side. I didn't know this side at all. Um, I, I would like to make two of them and put them out at the same time because they will be very different. Um, and then I can sort of show, well, you know, if you don't like this style, you can have this other style. But that's all up in the air still. I like that idea a lot. Good. I might even I might even send it to you before I put it in the real world because you can be my beta reader. Yes. That's all I've wanted. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yep, so that's all for uh, the games this week, and lots and lots of Horizon. Yeah, I haven't played anything except for some Legendary Halo, which I don't really need to talk about, um, and then Horizon Zero Dawn, because I stole someone's PlayStation, and by stole I mean I borrowed, because they offered to lend it to me. Um, so I've been playing that a bit, probably not as much as you, I'm probably nowhere near as far as you are, throw it, because I'm playing it on super hard mode, because I hate myself. <laughs> I'm still stuck on, like, why <laughs> like do you normally start games you've never played before on super hard mode yeah no i usually whenever i get a new game i usually start on the hardest mode and then if i have to i'll turn it down but i've done it with every game and usually i forget that i have on super hard like i did it with um kotor and kotor 2 and i was fine in kotor because i broke the game enough that the final boss was like one hit for me but in <laughs> kotor 2 i spent a month on the final boss battle not in the final boss battle i think it was a scion dust scion or whatever and I was stuck there for a month, and I came back eventually after not playing it for ages, and then I looked at the difficulty, and I was like, this explains it. This explains the whole thing. So I did that also with Dragon Age, the first two Dragon Ages. That's why I hate them so much, is because I forgot I had them on hard mode. So I do this all the time, but at least I remember huh. I do it now. Huh. All right. Well, so what level are you? Uh, I'm level, I think I just hit level 16. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm at level twenty two, and I'm uh, it's I don't know how long the main missions are, so I can't say like I'm almost at the end of the main plot. Like I don't yeah. know, <laughs> I'm halfway across the desert. Yeah, I have no clue how to judge how long this game is going to be if you just do main story. Like I keep being like I should just rush the story, and then I'm like I don't know how long it's going to take me though. No, it's it's been fun to talk to other people about it because everybody kind of goes through in different ways and like, you know, I'm going to do all the cauldrons first or I'm going to do all the hunting or whatever. And I'm kind of trying to balance main missions with side quests and I've completely ignored all the hunting grounds. They're the only thing I haven't done at all. The hunting grounds are like where just the dudes are chilling and you can kill them, right? They no! Are... Oh, wait, no, the hunting lodges. Yes, that's the one. Uh, yeah, I did one of those. Like a... It was fun. Was it? <laughs> yeah, it's just like little test things that you can do, and it's they can be kind of tedious, but they're kind of fun too. Yeah, it was sort of like, I don't know, this is taken away from my quest. I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, but... I just did it because it was a side quest, so I was like, all right, why not? Yeah, and like, on the other hand... I haven't found anything in this game that's tedious yet. Like, I haven't found anything. I don't love the um, bandit camps, but that's just because I have to talk to Nils, and he's a creeper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't found anything that's tedious. And just, this, I can't emphasize enough just how beautiful this game is. 
and just photo mode has been delightful. I've been taking oh my so God, many pictures. Yeah. And I, you know, you just ride across the desert and like something will happen and it might be an organic thing where robots are in your path and you have to figure out how to get around them or it might be a quest or it might be there's just some geological feature in the way and you have to figure out where you're going and then you find a ghost town on the top of the mountain or whatever. It's just really, really enjoyable gameplay and I, I love the combat. Um, I love the fast travel system where you have like fast travel is a resource. So you get sort of the impression of scarcity without ever really having to like go on foot for very long. If you don't want to, you can always craft one, but you still kind of have the sense of like, oh, I have to, I have to reserve them a little bit. I did not realize fast travel was a thing until yesterday. So I have like 20 fast travel packs that I didn't realize I had. <laughs> Excellent. Well, now you can use them. It's like when you have airline miles you didn't realize you had. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. I was using... Go to Aruba now. Yeah. I finally got um, a better bow as well. Like I'm finally figuring out how to actually play the game properly. I've just been kind of running around and killing things and just trying to get like supplies resources and then i reached a point where i realized i actually like had to play the game and like buy things and i was like oh my god i can afford literally everything in the store and have leftover stuff like i have had a little bit of a problem up to this point i don't usually do that in games too like usually i just rush the main quest and don't care about anything else but this game is just really pretty that i just want to walk around and find things yeah so you've been just stockpiling resources on hard mode yep (laughs) <laughs> yep, which has actually been really helpful, though I keep running out of wire now because I'm a really bad shot with my arrows. Um, I remember, like, you're talking about geographical stuff, or, like, biological... Biological? No, that's not the word I want. Just stuff happening. And <laughs> when I first got out of, like, the prologue kind of area, not really the prologue area, but, like, the first area where the weather doesn't change and the day doesn't change, and then you do the proving and everything, you get into the actual game, and... um the moon came out for the first time as I was fighting some, I think, scrappers. And I was, like, screaming because I hate scrappers. And the moon came out on the other side of the place. And I thought it was, like, a big robot that was coming to kill me because it was shining through the trees in a way that didn't look like a moon. It was just this bright light just shining across everything. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I, I kind of love that story. <laughs> I had to, I ran over to it. Just to find out what it was. I was really scared. Oh no. Because I think it it happened right as she said that like they're scanning for me or something. And I was like, oh my god, what's what's going on? I don't oh. understand this game. I'm so scared. The moon is watching you. Yeah. I do like the um the scanning is very useful, the uh the focus. But it's not like radar. Like, you can't... It doesn't tell you if something's behind you if you're not looking behind you. So yeah. I've had... I'm learning to have better spatial awareness and to look around because when I got in the desert for the first time, it was always those blasted storm birds that would drop out of the sky onto you. <laughs> and I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> I still, I haven't actually encountered those yet because I haven't been to the desert. I've been kind of scared of it. Um, It's scary. I'm such a a wasp in this game. (laughs) Yeah, you're not making me feel any less scared about this desert. I, yeah, I only just encountered bellowbags yesterday. You find new and 
larger things to ride in the desert. <gasps> oh, I'm excited. I've been yeah. I got really mad today because I was I was trying to do like the main story thing. And then I saw some bellowbacks, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to kill one. I'm going to finally kill one of these guys. Because they have, like, their life does not go down real fast. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. And, like, I hid, and I kept shooting it. And every time it, like, stopped looking for me, I would shoot it again until I got its life down. And then it saw my um my strider, and it killed it. And I was like, now I have to kill it because oh, no. because I killed my strider. I need revenge. So I had to spend, yes. like, I feel like two hours killing, like, three bellowbacks because I was too scared to actually, like, come out of the grass and kill them. Like, properly. Yeah, for revenge. <laughs> I'm like instantly attached to the Striders, and they're they're easy to kill if you need Blaze, but I don't really like to because I'm like, no, they're they're Striders. They're in the pets category. <laughs> like, yeah, they're such sweeties. <laughs> what? They're such they're such sweeties. I love them. Yes, they they really are, and uh, I feel like I need to protect them. <laughs> I really want to like if I if I ever have more time and actually own a PlayStation, I really want to do like kind of a pacifistic run through of the game where I kill as few things as possible. I don't know how easy that'll be. It's probably not super easy, so I'm not doing it this time, but one day I want to do it. Hmm. That is one thing that I've noticed about like the bandit camps, where even if you didn't want like even if you snuck in perfectly and like you can sneak in silently and release the prisoners and sneak back out you still have to kill all the bandits in order for the quest to be complete to a degree there's less choice than i would have liked in that like i really wanted to do like you know the, the clean hands run where you didn't have to kill them but yeah i unless excuse me unless i'm missing something you have to this game feels very much like if it, if you want to do something that involves killing something, you've got to completely destroy everything kind of thing, which is like, I, I understand that, but also I just don't want to fight things. I just want to walk around and be friends with everything. <laughs> yes, and I really wanted, I haven't yet managed to, un, or to um, tame two of the uh, sawtooths. No, not sawtooths. The big cat ones. Oh, the, the scrappers? Yes. I haven't yet managed to tame two of them at once because they tend to attack each other. But I'm like, no, I want two of them. <laughs> like, I want you all to be friendly. I want to tame scrappers just because I'm terrified of them. Their radar thing is the worst. I hate it so much. I finally got to where I could tame a ravager, which was wonderful. And I immediately tried to ride it, and I could kind of kind of prop Aloy on top of it. I wanted to get a picture, <laughs> but I haven't managed it yet because they they like they're looking around, they're looking for predators, they're twitching, and like you, you can't really do it. But if I manage, I'll post the picture. <laughs> oh my god, I really want to see that. I've only got <laughs> how do you how do you get better at um taking over things? You do cauldrons. Did you uh, unlock the quest for the first cauldron yet? I think I have. I just didn't do it because I didn't know what it was. What is a cauldron? So it's a it's a dungeon, basically. It's an underground section where you learn a little bit more about the machines and about the the like the metal world. But you just have to go through like in a straight line. You have to beat it to get out. And once you do you will unlock the ability to uh, override more machines. So I don't think you necessarily have to do them 
in the order, like, you don't necessarily have to do that one that you get the quest for first, because I think my friend didn't do that one first. And I was like, how did you, how did you find another one? But they're the little blue triangle symbol on the map. You can do them oh. in whatever order you want. They are, they can be difficult, though. Do they have enemies? Anyway. Hmm? Do they have enemies to fight? They do, yeah. Um, spoiler, I guess. Like, not, not really. <laughs> but um, So they have uh, kind of enemies interspersed. They have watchers and stuff. But at the end, you have to fight, like, a, a boss machine. And the first one that I fought was a, a bellowback. And then there was a sawtooth, the crocodile guy. Um, and you're in a very enclosed space so you can't really do stealth at all you just have to fight it and i it took me ages to fight the bellow back because i was like oh the exact level as the same level as the cauldron which like i would definitely recommend being over leveled for them and yep. i ended up just putting traps like three rings of traps around this thing <laughs> so, that it, <laughs> so that it couldn't go anywhere and then just like sniped it and finally succeeded. And then the, the next one I did was a little easier. But that's that's the idea. You're sort of trapped in with a high-level machine. Well, that sounds genuinely and then terrifying. You can that species. It's, uh, it's creepy. There's a little bit of, like, kind of creepy robot stuff in there, too. There was one room that I was definitely like, this is gross. Not in a biological way, in a, like... It's a weird machine way, you know? I do know, and I like that stuff, so I'm like, I'm torn because on one hand, I don't <laughs> want to fight a boss, but on the other hand, I want to unlock stuff, and this sounds really cool. Yeah, and I'm sure that, you know, I would be over-leveled for them, but I don't doubt you can do it. And then, yeah, you can... I was The one that I did recently allows you to unlock the Ravagers and the Striders. No, not striders. Long long legs, which are like chickens, basically, but they're, they're <gasps> what? Big. Chicken robots. Yeah. yeah, they're giant chicken robots. I love them. <laughs> oh my god, I need to look these up right now. <laughs> it's great. I think they're called long it's not long legs. It's something like that though. I'm kind of disappointed in myself for well, several things, but this one in particular is that I don't have the names of all the creatures memorized. I know the ones that I've met, but that's because I haven't really met that many. They are called long legs, and those are amazing. Oh my god. Great. Yes, they're wonderful. <sighs> yeah, I I keep, like, every time I see, because on the map it'll show you, like, where different areas, like, sometimes have different things. And whenever I see one that I don't recognize, I'm like, nah, I'm not going there. I'm good. <laughs> if anything, yeah. I've unlocked, Sorry. like, maybe three quarters of them but i know that the things that are still hidden like must be must be really intense so i'm a little scared of the hints that we've seen so far i know there's like one big bird thing i don't know what it is that like my friend a bunch of my friends have discovered by act like they found it on the map and then after is like end game content and they're just like oh god what have i done kind of thing so if you ever see a giant bird thing maybe avoid it i don't know <laughs> Oh, wait, well, I mean, there's the um, the sort of eagle ones that hang out in the desert, but they're not necessarily endgame. Oh, I wonder what that is. I yeah, wonder. like, I kind of want to find it just to know what people are talking about, but I'm like, if I finish the game, surely I'll just find it anyway. 
Yeah, and I think you are able to go back and complete the things you haven't done after the end of the game. Yeah, from what I've heard, that seems about it, which is kind of why I'm tempted to just skip a lot of the side quests. But then also when I'm playing on super hard mode, I need to be like well leveled for everything. So on the other hand, I'm like, I need to balance playing as much of the main story as I can with also being like five levels over the main story's level limit. <laughs> yeah. I want to go into the main story with the power armor. Did you pick up the battery for the power armor that gives you a side quest? No, but I want to. I heard about yes. it earlier today and I was like, I need that. <laughs> I just happened to find it. And it was this quest that was like, find an ancient suit of armor. And I was like, yes, I need this in my life. But it's level 25, so I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Whew, yeah, I'm going to wait a while before I do that. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about the dialogue trees and the options there? I really like it. I've been playing Aloy primarily as the like the intelligence branch, which sometimes ends like sometimes is a decision unto itself and sometimes just like points you toward another decision, if that makes sense. Like your choice yeah. your choice can't always be the intelligence branch, but sometimes it, it gives you more information. Um and I'm really liking that because it allows me to pretend that Aloy is sort of a nerd like me, and I like that. Um, <laughs> and because she says some things that are really, like, insightful on an emotional level, like one of the earlier ones, the, like, intelligence choice is that she notices that a character is afraid, and he's trying to intimidate her. And she's like, no, you're the one who's afraid in this situation. And that, like, defuses it. And... Um, so I really like that. So the dialogue's not perfect. Some of it's a little goofy, especially toward the beginning. But I always found myself caring about the characters. And Aloy herself <laughs> is is very angry for justifiable reasons, I think. And sometimes I think she's written as kind of der derisive toward people, which I wouldn't mm. always go for if I was choosing it. But it makes sense with, like, she's she has no reason to to go along with the traditions of the society, the society that made her an outcast. So, yeah, I don't, like, I haven't quite imprinted on her the way I have on, like, Shepard, but I like her. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat there. I've been playing her largely as aggressive, because the first time I played it, I got to that point, like, really early on, where that kid throws a rock at you, and it's like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm going to throw a rock back at his head, kind of thing. Like, my first reaction was like, I'm going to hurl a rock at him. Um, And then since then, I've just been, like, continuing with it. But it's kind of mm -hmm. heartbreaking, like, when you have that fight with Rost right before you go to the proving, and you can, like, choose what to do there, and then the main option, or the aggressive option, like, he you, you're just like, good riddance, kind of thing, and you throw his present to the ground, and I was like... What have I done? Oh no! Oh, wow. <laughs> she does pick it up again um, after he leaves, but I was still like, wow, this is heartbreaking. Ah, uh, So I, I liked Rost. I mean, he was kind of, he wasn't the most unique character in the world, but I was really curious about what his story was. I know you said you didn't feel that attached to him, right? Yeah, I didn't really care about Ross that much. Um, I don't really know why. The game just didn't really... In like, I guess he's supposed to be your kind of paternal character and your guardian, guardian character, but I didn't really get enough in the game that made me care about that. Yeah. I 
there were all those hints about like why was he exiled like did he or rather why did he choose to be exiled and I was really curious about that I liked that he um obviously had some backstory beyond just doing this out of the goodness of his heart but also he seemed like a really good person and a really nurturing person which I think gets to also that the gender roles in this game which are like remarkably effortless at showing things like men in nurturing roles and women in leadership roles and people of of you know with all different skin tones and of different races and it's like astonishingly diverse in a way that kind of makes me wonder why everyone else isn't doing it and there's also like that discussion about whether there's sort of native american appropriation which is i think something that should be acknowledged but my thought was that I, I very much appreciated the variety of characters they had. Yeah, they definitely have a very diverse cast. And I think having Rost as like the kind of Kershaw character there was interesting because, yeah, he is quite, you can tell he like is quite a nurturing person, even though he still is a little bit tough in the way that helps her learn. Um, I don't know. Oh, I think the way he talked just annoyed me too. I, I find it always really annoying when you have like a fire post-apocalyptic game and things have regressed but language always regresses and i'm like no no this isn't how it works it would be different in a different way and so whenever he's like he sees something in his like old-timey way and i'm like shut up ross i don't care (laughs) i'm just i'm an awful person when i play games honestly i used to be the nicest person in games like i would never hurt anybody but at some point i just became a terrible person (laughs) well i mean if the character doesn't work for you they don't work for you but i didn't notice the like I didn't notice any particularly, like, it was regressive, the term that you used, or no? I didn't yeah. notice any dialogue that felt particularly off, but maybe I maybe I hadn't noticed. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just super, like, like I don't know, I'm super sensitive to it for some reason, but just the way that he, he I can't remember anything he would say, but, like, he wouldn't, like, use contractions or anything and just, like, made everything sound way more formal and important than it needed oh, to, which yeah. I guess was just his character, but I also just did not like it. And then, like, Aloy would reply to him, she talked, like, really modern, and I was like, this is a really weird contrast and I don't like it. Mm. And actually, I think that does connect to what I was saying, where I think the dialogue was a little stiffer in the beginning of the game, and that they were, maybe they were trying to do that, were trying to make it sound sort of old-timey when it didn't necessarily need to be. Yeah, it's weird having, like, a character sound kind of old-timey-ish, sort of, like, when you've got robots around, it's just like, and it's not, like, a past-set game or something, it was just, I think it was just weird to me, and I think I'm, like, keep butting heads with the fact that it's a AAA game with like limited interactivity like there's a lot of interactivity but whenever there's a cutscene like a full-on proper cutscene it's like just a cutscene and I've forgotten what games are like when they have cutscenes because it's been so long since I've actually played a game with one and I keep I think just every now and then I'm just like oh yeah right I have no control right now and it's weird for me as opposed to like a Bioware game do you mean yeah, or even like like indie games like Firewatch or something like that, where like you always have a way to talk to someone or reply, or you can just like walk around as things are happening. I've just kind of forgotten what it's like to have a full on story AAA game that's like, no, you're gonna sit there for three minutes and watch what's happening. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that's actually, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit how I feel about Aloy herself, where I like her, but I'm really used to playing games where I can customize the protagonist. Or at least, like, because the armor is 
customizable, but not to the degree that it would be in something like Destiny or Mass Effect. That's one thing that I keep kind of subconsciously going, oh, maybe I should change my hair, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Aloy is interesting because I like her as a character, but I don't feel attached to her in the way that I do with a lot of other characters in games that you play. And I think part of that is just because of how it's set out. But also, I think... They've gone really, like, I actually don't enjoy the way this game is written a lot. Like, I really like the game, but every now and then I just, it grates because I feel like it's too, it follows really typical story beats and it doesn't actually experiment with the fact it's a game. It's just doing what everybody else has done before without being like, we're an interactive medium. Let's try some interesting different things. And so Aloy kind of comes out being a little bit flat because she's a character you play you kind of you play her but you aren't playing as her so much um like i the main thing i've said to somebody i think before was at the start when you play as her as a kid or you don't even play as her but um she's picking the berries and then she like shows them to the nora lady and she's like don't look at her children leave her alone she's horrible kind of thing and i like i think even though it would have been like a whole bunch more assets and everything and like way a pain in the ass i feel like if you'd let if you'd made the player pick the berries at the start and then like had that cutscene after, it would have been like way more emotional in the way that you picked the berries and she's shunning you, not just this child. But also that's just me like, I don't know. I, yeah, I've been analyzing sure. this game too much sometimes. No, I didn't see that stretching it a little far farther. It didn't really bother me because I think, but too, I'm, I don't play like map games like this very often. So I'm not sure what is convention for that particular type and what isn't. Yeah, like, I was just kind of thinking of it in terms of, like, something like The Last of Us, where it has that opening where you play as um, Joel and you're trying to save his daughter, and that instantly sucks you in as Joel as a character, because you play as him and then you lose his daughter, like, she dies while you're trying to fight for her, kind of thing, and that that's kind of, I think, part of the reason that The Last of Us is so strong from the start, is because it has that opening thing, and then Horizon Zero Dawn kind of has a cool opening thing, but it doesn't really, like, suck me in in the way that other games have. Mm. I was surprised at how quickly the the opening got to the the metal world stuff. Oh, yeah. That's, that's actually, I was going to say that back when we were talking about language. This game has destinyitis in that it has a lot of capitalized words that are very Oh my different. god, it does. <laughs> and like, I was laughing at it because there's one point where there's like three different capitalized words in one sentence and I was just like, oh my god, why? <laughs> the one that gets me is that like a lot of the, you know, the different cultures have names and they have a like reasonably understandable political relationships between themselves and like the, the stuff about the kingdom of the sun is like kind of interesting. But the people that killed Aloy's, uh, her friends, you know, the people that attacked, or yeah. she just calls them the killers, nothing else. Yeah. They're, oh my god. Yeah, and I, I'd kind of forgotten about that for a while, and I'd been fighting the, the Shadow Karja, which have a bit of a sketched-in, like, religion to them, and like, oh, this is a, a cultist, it's a Shadow Karja, like, I can put a name on that. And then she, like, Aloy, like, climbs a ridge and goes, oh the killers are here. (laughs) Don't they have a name? Like, can you call them something else? So that's the one that really bugged me. But the others were noticeable. Yeah, it is really noticeable whenever it happens. I'm like, this is not... I mean, this is how sci-fi works a lot of the time, but also, can you not do this? 
Yeah, and like, I mean, that might even be how someone's brain works. Like, if you don't know what to call them, you kind of assign them a name and that sticks. But yeah, that doesn't mean it's like not sort of awkward for the player. Yeah. I think it would probably be less awkward if I didn't play with subtitles on. But also, I'm not going to do that because I like having subtitles on. One thing, actually, I appreciate about this game is that it has subtitles on automatically from the start, which is a really cool accessibility thing. So, like, huge props to them for that. Hmm. Did, um, were there any other characters that you particularly liked or that you've gotten, like, that you want to talk about? I really like the matriarch that likes Aloy. I can't remember her name. Um, she's really yeah. cool. I liked her from the start because she was like, I don't care about anything. I'm just going to do what I want. And I was like, I can appreciate that lady. And she's just like a really cool older lady. And I always love that. And I also really like Vela or Vala. I can't remember how you say it. But then, you know, that doesn't last very long. I was so sad because she was so cool. Yeah, She was. I, I was really sad when she died and then Bast died too. And I was like, okay, I feel less bad now. Yeah, <laughs> he was... The the proving stuff was a little cliche, like he was the bully and she was the cool girl. But I I was left feeling at least I I felt bad for her. So yeah, I I agree with you. Have you met Varl yet? Oh, who's Varl? He's Vala's brother. Yeah, I have. He was cool. Yeah, I really liked him. I liked his introduction and just like that whole family is cool. And they have like a little bit of issues where you can tell that Sona is not a particularly affectionate mother and her kids are kind of trying to compete for her affection and then Vala dies and Varl has to like renegotiate his relationship with his family in a time of war and like that's that's engaging yeah I really like Sona from what I've seen so far um I'm currently in the mission with her onto the next I don't know what the next thing is but I'm I'm with her at the moment and she's really cool yeah, I like that she's she's unapologetic. Like, she's sort of rough around the edges, but that doesn't mean she's a bad character. She's very consistent in the way she's rough around the edges. Yeah. So who is your favorite character so far? Um, I like Aloy, and I kind of ship her with Varl. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Yes. Do you know if there is any romance in this game at all? I don't know. I know... There's been the sort of, like, I don't know, people making flirty remarks, but I don't know if that's just in the script or if there's any actual, like, choice you can make in that. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what the thing I've been wondering, because somebody was tweeting about, like, wanting Aloy to hook up with a bunch of people, but then, like, no, and I was like, why? Is it not a thing? Or does she have, like, a scripted romance or what? Like, I would prefer her to have no romance and a scripted romance, but I have no clue where this game is going to go with that. Like, I can kind of, like I said, this game follows very predictable story beats, but I also don't know what, like, I know kind of what they'll do, but I don't know what the story is actually about. The, the other thing, too, is that I think because so much content is available to do either after the end game or out of order... It would be tricky, like, I I did all the Nora quests because I liked them and I liked the characters and I felt like if it was a story, uh, Aloy would finish that up before she went anywhere else. But yeah. you don't necessarily have to do that. You could have just gone on to another main quest and skipped all that stuff with Sona. So 
you wouldn't want to script something that might be reliant on something that a player would have missed either, right? Yeah, that's very true. And like, you don't really have companions that follow you around, so it's a bit harder to just do that too. So I feel like this game probably won't have romance. I haven't seen anything about it either, and I feel like I would have by now if it did. Yeah, I I've, I hope that it doesn't. There were definitely like kind of more... Um, I guess, innuendo than I had hoped because the game was so <laughs> praised so highly as, like, it's a world where the, the Nora are matriarchal and there's no, like, issue of Aloy being a strong female character, but it's still, every once in a while, there's still kind of something skeevy. There's always, always something in these games. They're always, like, even when they're super good at, like, having great female characters, there's always some remark or something and I'm always like, no, you were so close. <laughs> I was so, like... <sighs> embarrassed for the medium is a very dramatic way to say it but <laughs> my roommate was doesn't um doesn't well not that she doesn't play games she she hasn't um played as recently as i have um she plays a lot of assassin's creed but um she was over here you know just listening in the same room while i played one of the earlier bits and somebody made a comment about like you know, Aloy would look hot in this outfit or whatever. And she was kind of like, whoa, like, that was awkward. And I, my first thought was, like, that's really tame for video games. Like, I'm relieved that that's all that was said. And she was, like, kind of taken aback by that. And it was, it was weird. And, like, yeah, that's not, I don't want that to come off as a sort of, like, I'm not raging against the medium, but it was kind of eye-opening to, to see someone who didn't necessarily have the same perspective as I did. Yeah, I think we're kind of, like, embedded in games enough that we don't notice how bad it can get as much, or, like, we don't notice the lesser things because we're paying attention to the worst things, and then somebody will come in and be like, whoa, what is happening? You know, it's be like, okay, video games are a little bit off here sometimes, but I do appreciate this game for how hard it's trying even if it does miss sometimes it's a really like i'm really enjoying the game i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite games yet like it could change when i get to later story or later stuff but for now i'm kind of like tentatively loving it it's good enough that the misses are really obvious misses but i yeah. i do think i would put this i haven't done a like top five games list in a long time but i think i would put this in a like top five games just because of how enjoyable it is to just walk around or ride around and explore the world yeah it's not quite top five for me because it's always based on story for me but it is a game if i owned a ps4 and like could play it all the time this is a game i could see myself playing for a long time yeah yep we're coming into such a good season for games staff we're gonna have so much to do Oh, we are, and I have, like, I, this is making me regret not having, like, any consoles, because there's all these games coming out. I'm like, oh, I only have my terrible PC that may not actually play Mass Effect, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but I am glad I have a chance to borrow this PS4, and I'm hoping I can play um the new Zelda sometime soon, because that looks really cool. Oh, cool, yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about that. Yeah, like literally nothing but good things, which is amazing. It is actually. It's quite well. Nintendo is so good at that. Nintendo is so consistently quality. Yeah, like they don't have many games on their consoles, but they've got good games. Yep, yep. So and any have 
reports Ooh, from Mass Effect going forward. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited for that game. Like, I don't even care what's wrong with it. I'm just excited anyways. I know. I'm just really cool happy things. that we have it right now. Maybe I'll be saying something different in two or three weeks. But for now, I'm just yep. really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. So any final thoughts on Horizon Zero Dawn? No, I think if you have a PS4, or even if you don't, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. The photo mode is lots of fun. Almost as much fun as shooting robot dinosaurs with flaming arrows. I literally spent half this game just like climbing a cliff because I'm like, that's going to make a cool photo. And so <laughs> half, I think half of the time I, I've spent, I spent like 20 hours on it so far and like 10 hours of that has probably just been photos. Yeah, it's really fun. And you yep. can do so much. Like you can make them sepia. You can like change the... um like the lens distance so that some things are out of focus it's so exciting and i don't even like enjoy photography in my daily life <laughs> i just yeah <laughs> yeah like you can mess with the aperture and like dip the field and then like change the time of day as well oh my god it's amazing just play yeah, this game it's such a cool day game is so much fun <laughs> yes oh my gosh oh, i really want to go play this game more now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah check out horizon zero dawn um, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Megan, where can we find you? You can find me at blog full of words on Twitter. You can find and me can at find... Wanderlusten. Sorry. Yes, Wanderlusten. Very important. Yes. No, you can Very also important. find both of us occasionally at Blaster Cannon, which is Den of Geeks Star Wars Expanded Universe podcast. Yes, that's going to be a regular thing soon. Very soon. <laughs> You can also find Western Reaches on Twitter at Western underscore Reaches because somebody else had Western Reaches. And, oh my god, is there more stuff I should say? Yes, review us on iTunes, leave us a nice rating because that's always lovely. And don't forget to check the Western Reaches.